0: Plundergrounds episode 152. I've been framed. In other words, from RPG A Day 2020. Plundergrounds, Plundergrounds, welcome back to a brand new show. Ray's gonna take you where you didn't know you wanted to go. Fantasy and Dungeon Delve science fiction, watch yourselves! (laughs) Here I am again with words from week three of the RPG A Day 2020 challenge. The first word for the 15th is frame. And we all get kind of lazy, I think, about framing scenes. I'm probably projecting there. I get lazy about framing scenes sometimes. Um, There's a lot of assumed things when you walk into a scene, like who's there, maybe, you know, it's just assumed that everyone, all the characters are in the scene. Um, The win might be assumed, like it's happening subsequent to the previous scene. But it's good to remind ourselves what kinds of things need to get set in a scene and why you should do it. I think the biggest uh, reason is for the visual layout to help people kind of imagine what's in the scene, even if you're using a, a grid, you know, it depends on how detailed your your map is, per se, but especially when you're working theater of the mind, you really need to uh, set the scene. So let's let's go through the the journalistic Five, who, what, when, where, and why of scene setting. Who is, of course, about who is there, which characters are there, which non-player characters are there, um, what creatures or villains are there, what just happened. Uh, What just happened is a great question um, if you want to shake things up a bit rather than just assuming that it follows from the previous scene Uh, especially at the beginning of a session you might um, introduce You know, your camp was invaded by um, swamp trolls. Okay, that's that's a scene start. (laughs) That's a lot better scene start than, oh, where do we leave off? I guess you guys were all taking a rest. Uh, So what just happened is a great question. When, uh, how much time has passed? Again, if you want to shake things up, you can kind of fast forward time. Um, Or you can do a flashback. I started my very last session of my superheroes game with a flashback because we had gotten to a point in the story where I wanted to know more about one of the characters origins. And so I told him before we left that session, hey, next time I want to start with a scene that where we get to see what happened to you uh, in your past. And so that's where we started let's see, where, of course, uh, where, and this is what I was talking about. If, if all the others are assumed, you want to start with this one, which is um, to set the atmosphere and furnish the space. Don't forget to put things in the space. Let's say you're in a, in a bedroom of some kind, right? Whether it's in a tower or a dungeon or a haunted house or whatever, um, you're in a bedroom and you describe it as immense with a um, With a large bed that's, even though it's very large, is kind of lost in the center of this big room. Uh, There are mirrors everywhere, um, a big claw-footed bathtub, some kind of vanity with a bunch of bottles of uh, colorful liquids in them. And, you know, those kind of things will matter. Uh, you, you might find that the characters, you know, spend some time exploring that, those furnishings, uh, and they might pick up those bottles and find out that they're really strong perfume. And then, of course, somebody's going to pocket that and use it sometime later in the game, right? They might use it to cover their tracks. Um, if there are bloodhounds after them, they might use it as kind of a grenade uh, to throw at somebody. You never know right? Uh, so setting the scene with with atmosphere and furnishing is really important and atmosphere being more like the sensory details, the the smells, the is there a breeze or is there no breeze? It's, you know, is it stuffy? Um, is is it uh, what's the temperature like? What's the, what are the what are the color schemes? You know, there's a palette here, all those kind of things are cool. And then finally, why? Uh, why is this scene important? What's at stake? Sometimes it's really good to put that up front and say, to remind characters what's your mission what um what you know either personal or corporate like uh, as a group what's your mission or personally what do you hope why are you here what do you hope to get out of this um oh this is the first time you've reconnected with this npc What, how long has it been? Uh, What have you wanted to tell them or ask them, you know, that you've been thinking about from before? Um, What, what are you looking for in them? Are you looking for signs of change? Uh, Yeah. So those, the why is kind of important. All right. Well, kind of important. It's very important. Right. So that's frame. Let's move on. Uh, The day 16 word is dramatic. And I'll just say that sometimes I'm uncomfortable with being dramatic. uh, And that's a weakness of mine that I'll need to work on, which is to say that I can come up with a very dramatic idea, but I don't always give it the breathing room to be dramatic. And um, the best example I can think of that is really from my teaching days. And I remember that if you ask a question, if you pose kind of a challenge to the classroom um, in the form of a question or in the form of, you know, opening it up for input, um, you can, you can get into the bad habit of not giving that silence, uh, because people need a little bit of time to sort of sort out what they just heard, um, to formulate and interpret the question or the challenge or the prompt in their head. They need time to then think about what they think about that, to formulate some sort of reaction or response. And then they need time to get over the shyness of speaking up. And then they need time to Uh, decide whether other people want to speak up and how they're going to take turns, right? So all that takes time. And if you're standing at the front of the room and you ask the question and you've thought over a million times in your mind, maybe, or you have a very specific idea of how it's going to go, which is uh, always your enemy there. You, You should try not to have specific ideas about how it's going to go, but it's hard not to. So if you're standing up there with those kind of expectations and you're met with silence, it can feel like people are being obstinate um, or stupid or um, uncreative. And that's on you, that's not on them, right? Like that's you thinking too quickly and expecting too much out of people. So, you know, ask your question and then make eye contact and just kind of sit there frankly waiting Uh, (laughs) and, and, and wait them out, right? it's kind of a funny thing the first time you do it and you make it very clear that you're not going to talk until they do. Uh, and somebody eventually has to talk (laughs) and you start to learn then to give things space. And so I, I would say that like, uh, you know, to be dramatic, you have to get comfortable, which is our next word, by the way, comfort uh, in giving the, those elements space to be dramatic, to give players time to respond to it and think about the thing that will move the story forward and to contribute. And if you don't give them that space, then you become that GM that just sort of overrides everybody and, and jumps in too much. And I can be that GM sometimes for sure. All right. So day 17, the word is comfort. Uh lots of comfort stuff to talk about. I think I get my comfort zones are really about drawing and reading for the most part and being alone, right? Uh, Lonely fun as uh, it was called at one point pejoratively, but RPGs have a lot of lonely fun in them. They are a joy to read. They are a joy to look through for the art um, and the kind of formatting of tables and to, to kind of speculate with where you can you know, roll on tables to see what different outcomes are Um, and to plan uh, and to plan in a way that I don't, you know, don't mean to prepare a story, but to, to uh, spend your time doing other things, um, doing, doing, sir, let me rephrase that. The time that you spend engaged in other activities can quickly become, about role playing games, right? As you're walking down the street, you look at faces, you look at uh, mannerisms, you look at pets, you look at um, nature scenes, and you start translating to those and see what's usable at the table, <laughs> right? Um, so that kind of com- it's kind of comforting, right? To that you could kind of constantly be playing a game in your head, uh, or being ready for the game, or prepping for the game. That's kind of a comfort zone for me. Day eighteen, the word is meet. Uh, I lack inspiration here. I feel like it's a moment to get past <laughs> the meeting. At you know when characters meet, and it's often awkward. Um, and the story of people meeting in real life is usually not as interesting as they think the story is. So I don't know. Move move the story along in the most expedient way possible instead of focusing on characters meeting. Assume they've already met. Um, put them in a situation where they're together doing something important, a fight, um, a pilgrimage, uh, a quiz show. I don't know, like, you know, <laughs> stick them somewhere where they're on the spot as a group and let them be a group. And then and then as the story progresses, you'll find ways to ask questions about, um, you know, how long have you known each other? And do you trust this character or who who among the party do you trust most? Um, why so and so owes you something? Why do What do you think they owe you and what is it? Um, you know, those kind of questions can, can substitute for the meat if you just skip past the meat. And so I, you know, meat is not a, not a great word for me. I think it's kind of an awkward and not very well done thing in role-playing games. 19 is tower. There's something really mythic about towers. Uh, so you've got the card, the tarot card, the tower, which is Uh, probably the worst or the most um, threatening card in the Major Arcana. It stands for Disaster. You've got a tower with lightning striking it and things falling out of it. Um, There's also this just kind of monolithic, I mean, literally and metaphorically monolithic, presence of a tower. Uh, it's, it's inaccessible in a number of ways. It's inaccessible in that it's uh, usually uh, has few entrances and few windows. Um, it's inaccessible in that you have to climb up it. So you have to go, you know, there's a progression uh, that you have to go through. I think of like, what's the the Bruce Lee movie where he has to fight his way up the, the pagoda, the tower. Um, there's also the poem, uh, well, uh, so there's the poem by Robert Browning, which came from a line in Shakespeare's Lear and later inspired Stephen King's Dark Tower stories, which is, uh, Child Roland to the Dark Tower Came. And that's the line from King Lear, and it's just somebody babbling in King Lear. But Browning took it and made it into a poem about nightly quests. And really, it's a it's the whole poem. It's a longish poem. Takes maybe 15 minutes to read out loud. Um, is about getting to the tower and it and it ends with that it ends with getting to the tower Uh, and symbolically the tower is uh, either the futility of questing or damnation or judgment like it's the end it's the end point right it's this um, very threatening thing at the end and you you can see this visually like usually very often, not usually, but very often, when you get a picture of a tower, it's in forced perspective, meaning you you have a very extreme, like uh, so, perspective. This idea that lines converge as they as they go towards the horizon, even if they're parallel. Like if you're standing in train tracks and you're looking down the train tracks toward the horizon on an absolutely flat plane, um, they will form kind of a triangle. Like that, the, the endpoints will look like they meet, even though they don't. Right. Uh, just because of perspective, the way your eye bends, and when you let's uh, give you an example, the cover to the old board game, The Dark Tower, has forced perspective. So the bottom of the tower is really wide, and the top is narrow because it's receding from you. It's it's uh, at a at a um, remarkable, I don't pace is the wrong word, but like you know, it's it's really you are far removed from the top of that tower, and it's looming over you. Uh, by the way, there is a, I'll put links in the show notes to a LibriVox recording of the poem by Robert Browning, Child Roll Into the Dark Tower Came, and the public domain text, but it's its kind of neat. Um, I don't know, it's the greatest poem in the world. I, I like the idea of it more than I like the poem, but uh, it, it can be fun to listen to, and, and really, especially if you're a Stephen King fan. I read the first two of those books for sure. I can't remember if I read the third one. I know... I should go back and read them again because one thing that's interesting about them, I kind of quit on them because they got a little uh, meandering and pointless, I thought, somewhere in there. But I also understand that he was writing them at the time that he had major alcohol problems. And uh, the series kind of follows his progression. Uh, So it starts starts at the kind of height of his early career. And I've read the unrevised version of The Tower and then the – sorry, the – the Gunslinger, which is the first book, and then the revised version, you know, came out later. But uh, he, and then he sort of descended into alcoholism, and then by the time he was coming back out of that, he was writing the later books, I think, if I remember that correctly. So, I think if you keep that in mind as you read, it can, it can be kind of an interesting authorial study as well as an interesting read. I don't know. I know people love those books. I, like I said, I I quit somewhere in the middle, but. Um, I remember playing the train and the and the bear and all that kind of stuff it was pretty cool. All right. Number 20 or or uh, the 20th word is investigate. Um pass. <laughs> Investigate's been done to death for some reason the single mode of play investigation has become a focus as a problem to fix where other other modes are just assumed to work without any kind of particular attention maybe because they do. Uh, I get it. There are tricks to doing investigations right. I guess my only input is something I've said many times before, which is don't be subtle. So if you're setting up a mystery that players are going to investigate or giving them something to investigate, subtlety is not your friend. You you, you tend to, as a GM, think you're communicating more than you really are. So you want to put in some kind of obvious clues to things, and then you can still watch them you can still watch them misread those clues. It's pretty funny. Uh, and of course get ideas from them. So, um, yeah, so, so don't be too subtle, um, put, put in multiple ways to discover something if that thing is important. Um, and also, you know, give them things to investigate that aren't critical. Like there are sometimes it's fun to explore a space that's weird, without needing to know how it works or without needing something from it to continue the adventure. Not every investigation has to be a key that unlocks a door 20 levels down, right? Um, sometimes they can just be, oh, wow, this room is weird. Why does why is it set up this way? Why does it work this way? How does it work? Um, who made it? All those kind of things are fun to investigate that may that may come into play and may not come into play. They're just sort of like potential. Uh, Okay. Number 21, the word is push. And it's my last word for the week. I think of the movie when I hear this word, the movie push, it's not the greatest movie, but it's cool in that it kind of melds psionics with Wuxia style fighting schools. So you've got these different types of psionics all battling it out in, is it Hong Kong or New York? I don't know. It's (laughs) is it kind of a mythic city? It's been a long time since I've seen that movie. Uh, But uh, around 2007, one of the first games I wrote, I think um, like that with the intent of like designing my own game was, uh, was based on push. And I uh, took my birthday and I was in a hotel for a day while I was traveling. I'd actually put an extra day in there on purpose so that I could spend the whole day creating as a celebration of my birthday. I used to do that more than I, have done recently. I need to get back to that, but I spent the day writing a game called push and it was um, the thing I remember most about it. I think it wasn't a great game. If I go back and look at it now, I'm kind of curious what I'd think about it. But the thing I remember most about it was I was uh, trying to deal with the loner character. So I, as a character, you made a choice early on whether you were a team player or a loner. And if you were a team player, you drew from a party source of, of resources that was kind of like a, call it a hero chip mechanic or whatever, Benny's, whatever, some kind of narrative resource that that was in a pool. But if you were a loner, you sort of had a different pool um, and it was good, but it didn't replenish the way that the group pool did. So you sort of started off with more personal power, but uh, it was less easy to replenish that. And I thought that was kind of a fun way of dealing with, you know, both punishing and empowering the difference between like loners and team players in RPGs. And I was particularly tired of people, you know, making that, uh, making that kind of Batman like, you know, orphan uh, parents were slaughtered by orcs, a uh, loner character that nobody understands and wears his trench coat everywhere and, you know, that that kind of stuff gets old. Uh, and I wanted to put some pressure on that and, and uh, the way that pool was replenished. I can't remember what I did there, but I do remember thinking that the way that pools were pre- was replenished made them kind of come out of their shell. Like, I think they had to reveal something about themselves, or uh, it it basically forced their hand a little bit so that they couldn't play this uh, mysterious character forever um, inside of a group, you know, that can be kind of disruptive. So those are my seven words uh, for this week. Frame, dramatic, comfort, meet, tower, investigate, and push. And that brings us up to day 21. Thanks for listening. I hope these aren't too disjointed and weird for you. I know that some people are getting annoyed with the RPG a day thing. Um, I said earlier that I do all mine at once and I and I think I may have inadvertently sort of suggested that doing them one a day is not good. Um, I said something about not trying people's patience. It's probably more about me not trying my own patience. I have been listening to people doing their one a days. It's a different format for sure. but I don't find them. I don't find one way of doing it better than another necessarily. It's just, this one's better for me uh, to do them all at once. And uh, you, you do you and I'll be listening. How's that until next time I've been Ray Otis and this was another Plundergrounds. Logan Howard does my awesome theme music. He both created and performs it. And until next time, look out for those rest monsters.